0: Um, So, Eric, what was your earliest memories of of playing football as a a youngster, would you
1: say? Probably just playing out the back, uh, big garden at home. I grew up on a farm, actually, Uh, so a big bit of grass out the back. I played uh, football with my little brother, Callum. Most days I would have played with him, and I had an older brother, five years old, my Blair, who played a bit of football with him as well, so he was trying to learn things off him. So we've always kicked about football, Uh, and then Obviously, we went straight into the, the, the local primary school, and I think it was about primary four before it was in the primary the primary school football team as well. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a big school. So, as I say, primary four that got you in playing against the primary sevens as well. So, uh, it was a it was just a, a country 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 football beginning really uh, out in the sticks, knocking about your mates, your brothers in the football team, and after that, I was at the two tournaments with. Uh, care and went up to Stonehaven. There's was a uh, tour of Stonehaven, and we would go up there seven Asides, And I got spotted by I'm in mean, Stonehaven up there, so I'm the Stonehaven youth. So I got asked to go in for uh, training there. and got signed up after that with my my good friend Ross that Actually, he was the same age as me, so we, we travelled up to there. I was about half an hour away from our house actually, so it was about travelling back up and forth the, the road to Stonehaven at that time. Uh, you, no, I also got there. I. So, a lot of running up about Stonehaven. as the same. My mum, she run all over the country. My dad was a farmer. Yeah. He was uh, always busy working or whatever. He wasn't really at home so much. So, my mum, she was in charge of taking me to football. So, she was up and down the road to Stonehaven to the training. And uh, on a Saturday, Stonehaven, to be fair, was a, was a funny team. There was only... Like four or five sets of parents would take kids, so like my mum had a we had a showgun seven seats, so we would have half the football team in my uh, my car every Saturday. <laughs> so uh, she did our fair bit, of, fair bit of trailing about the uh, north of Scotland with, with us in the football.
0: Yeah. So what um, were you always like a defender or what kind of what was your position back then?
1: Hey, uh, I a striker. I wanted to score goals. I was uh, always the one, especially for a school team. It wasn't that big. But, uh, score goals for them. It's up going up to Stonehaven. I think I played my first season. I can't remember what, how old would it. Well, be twelve. My first season in Stonehaven, and it was a year that Andy Cole scored forty two in the Premiership, and I, I scored forty two that season as well for <laughs> uh, the youth. So, uh, and I, I did because uh, after that I'd been one of the oldest one at youth football, but then for a year it was uh, it changed, uh, so I became one of the younger ones in that age. The, the, the age limit kind of changed, so I become one of the younger ones. And as I did, uh, I did drop back into left midfield, left back, and played about that as well. Like, so I played all over the pitches, I used football, I was never out and out anything really. So, never a goalkeeper? I did play in goals a couple of times actually. Uh, I played up at a, I kind of mind the name of the pitch in Aberdeen. The goalies were away, and I think we were playing a Scottish Cup game against a Dundee team, and for some reason we played really well. I can't remember if we win or got beat. But I made hundreds of, uh, loads of saves in the game, and I remember the manager coming over at me and saying, "What a goalkeeper you are!" <laughs> like I'm not even a goalkeeper; I'm just falling in for my pal because he's no here. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, I would—I've turned my hand to anything. Uh, as you say, growing up in the country, you'd always have your shot in the goals as well, like so World Cups and stuff like that. You all had a—you all had a spin in the goals.
0: Yeah. So were you beating your bros all the time, or or?
1: Yeah. My brother was—I beat the car one probably because I was physically bigger than him and older than him. Like, but, uh, older brother Blair, as I say, he was five years older. Messy, uh, he knocked me about a good bit when I was younger.
0: <laughs> yeah, that prepared you for the Highland League. And
1: yeah, yeah to, to be fair, it toughen up. And again, to go back to the, the country. You don't—you didn't pal about with everyone your same age. So, like my wee brother, he's two years younger than me, and I played with guys three, four years older than me. So you were all just playing the park at the same time. So you just had to toughen up. It was one of my big pals, Scott Sim. He actually went and he did the, the heavyweight games, the, you know, the, the, the Highland games. He did the oh, yeah. heavyweight, like throwing throw a cave on that. That's how big a guy he was. And I remember he used to kid, knock you about a bit. So you had to be kind of thick skinned if you were going to play in that game.
0: Mm. Um, so how did the, the whole um, Montrose move come about in terms of um, getting in that setup?
1: And at the Rose League, well, I went from Westlomhaven, went to London Muir. I didn't know if you knew that. I went to the Amateurs for a couple of seasons. I played the Aberdeen Amateur League for two seasons. I came out with 16, so I played 16, 17 to 17 and a half at London Muir Amateurs, which was a good grounding as well. Coming out of boys football, so it's a big step to go straight into a decent level like the Juniors or the Highland League. I think it's quite a good step in stone. You can play youth football as much as you want, but it doesn't, it's never really going to ready for the pace and the strengths, the uh, actual men, so two years at Year uh, I did really, I did I, I did enjoy my time there actually, I was obviously just starting to go out and get a beer and you get a beer after that in the local boozer, uh, I made some friends there so I played two years there uh, funnily enough, I went there as a striker, I played but I think, I don't know, it was Murdo Anderson uh, played for Year he scored over five, 600 goals or something in the time there so limited chances up front but all the center half got injured back in the day, and I think I was the best at heading the ball, even at 17. So the, the manager dropped me back to centre-half, which I didn't really like playing, but I could play it quite comfortably. And uh, so I, I got into the routine. He was going to play with centre-half all the time. So when Rosalie came in, they wanted to me to be a midfielder again. So I was like, oh, no, I'll, I'm away. I don't want to play with centre-half anymore. So I went away with Rosalie to try and uh, score goals and play up front and uh, be at the right end of the pitch.
0: Yeah, so what, what was it like um, stepping up to the juniors? Was it a big step up um, compared to amateurs? or what's...
1: I can't remember. The amateur league back in the day, the Aberdeen Amateur League, was a good league, actually. There was a lot of good players and good setups and uh, good teams. Uh, and there's a lot of junior boys dropping down in the amateur leagues as well. So I can remember it being quite a, a decent standard. Uh, but Rose Lee, they were in the first division in the Tayside League, so they were in the lower division at the time. So it was probably a good stepping stone. We won it the first year I went there. Actually, we really we did well that season. And uh, probably that was a good bed and in time that season, just uh, in the first division before getting promoted up in the Premier League, playing against your Loughys and your Tayports and uh, Carnoustie teams and stuff like that, all big Tayside teams. So I, I, I don't remember it being that much a, a hassle. But I think throughout my career, if you play with better players, you'll, you'll raise your game as well. Uh, the training gets better, you do things quicker, you move the ball sharper. I think you test yourself at the highest level you possibly can to see, to see where your level is. So I found it quite an easy step to go up.
0: Yeah, so you what you picked up a couple cups and stuff. Um, how happy were you with that in terms of that? That was your like first couple of trophies in terms of fit? Yeah, well,
1: I love the Muir. I think we got to cup final. Never won anything. It's the boys' club. I can't really, I think I got a. I got a medal for runners up one year in one of the leagues, <laughs> but I can't remember winning in uh, Stonehaven as well. So it wasn't a. The winning competitions wasn't a massive part of me. So when I went to Roseley, we won the league the first year. Uh, that was a great year. I think we went unbeaten all season actually. And then the following year we got to the cup final. G, won DJ League Cup final play against four for west end a good junior team as well and i remember one of the older guys riddle he turned around he goes you, you enjoy us today you, you don't know when your next cup final will ever be so we went on won that comfortably and we were, we we're having a laugh about it after the game it's like I'll, I'll win these all the time and sure enough we ended up over that spell we we're in three or four cup finals and we were really successful so i chuckle back now thinking the advice he gave me at the time which is probably good advice actually i've been i've been pretty lucky with the 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 medals that I've won over the years, because uh, that Rosebery team it was it was a right good team actually. There was a good mix of youth. I would have been one of the youngest going in there. Uh, there was a couple of guys my age, a couple of guys three or four, a couple of years older than me, and there was a good few experienced guys as well. To keep you you grounded as well. So it was yeah. such a good uh, mix of players there and abilities as well, and uh, made some great friends at roseley to, to this day, I still I still keep up with uh, some of the old guys from there. So it was great times there, actually. Really good times.
0: Yeah, so was there much people in that team that kind of followed you in terms of going up to the high League or going to a higher level? Was there much people who you played with that kind of...
1: Not not so much. Just my little brother, he came to... He followed us all. Well, my cousin was there, Colin. He played with me at Lodham He went the year before to Roseley. So it was an easy... I don't, that made did decision easier to go Roseley as well, followed my cousin there, uh, he was a good pal as well, and then my, my little brother followed me in, and he, uh, he, really, he really hit a bit of form there as well, and he ended up going to Montrose, and then he came up to us at Cove for a couple of seasons, he was up at Cove, and he went back down to Roseley and played Carnoustie as well, so apart from Carl, just that location Montrose you're in, I don't know, they just quite liked that location, the Angus area, they didn't hmm. really have any ambitions to travel outside there were certainly players good enough to, to go and give it a bash but I don't know they just they didn't have that commitment to just go out without their, their comfort zone
0: Yeah so did you always want to in terms of like move on and, and kind of progress in terms of before you moved to Cove was that always something <laughs> you were at
1: or not? See, at that it was just because I made mean, such good friends. We'd go out every weekend together after games and it was such a good time. Uh, early 20s, carefree, and you just you, you did party after games. It was great fun, but I got to the stage at like 25. I'd like been there six or seven years and uh, I think all the Tayside clubs had come in from a Tayport, Lochie United, Carnoustie. and knocked them all back, really. Montrose mean, Troze had tried to sign me. Since well, since I left actually, chose, I think he tried to sign me a couple of times, but the manager at the time didn't even tell me. He just uh, he just told them no, <laughs> I was not for sale. So that was a bit frustrating actually, but it came to the point saying, look, if I don't move now, I'll be I'll just be here until the end. Mid twenties is like a perfect age to, to to kick on. So that's how I ended up signing for Tayport, because in my eyes they were one of the biggest teams in Tayside at the time. Uh, Ex, uh, they'd won the Scottish Cup the Junior Cup and that they'd been in a couple of finals they've seen it win all the won all the local cups as well so I thought that'd be my best bet for to for, to move on and progress and then after that I think I signed a form say the Wednesday night maybe Friday uh, I got a phone call from John Sharon asking me if uh, I wanted to go up to the Highland League fancying a track the Highland League and to be fair I knew absolutely nothing about the Highland League there was the papers didn't really cover it down here. We probably got the Courier more than we did the Press and Journal, to be mm-hmm. fair. So you didn't really read much. And there wasn't the social media you see now. You can you get coverage. You can find out anything about any team, really. So... Uh, it was a bit of like a stab in the dark, actually. I, I didn't know anyone from the Highland League. The only two teams I knew from the Highland League was Clark and the Cutting and Forest Mechanics because those are funny kind of names and they stick out. <laughs> and, you, and you remember them coming up in the video or, you know, on the Saturday when the, the results were coming through. So apart from that too, I didn't really know any teams at all. So uh, I agreed to go up and meet John and uh, he obviously told me all about Cove and what it was like and the teams had played, and he really sold it to me to to go up there and give it a crack, which I'm glad I did. Uh, I well. I ended up quite well for me, but I remember that summer uh, Tapor, they were as uh, one of the big teams. They they held the registration then, so they kind of held all the cards. <laughs> they they wanted money for me, and uh, they wanted a lot of money for me at the time, I think. And uh, I remember phoning the man just saying, "I'm no happy he goes, I was out with my hands." It's there. Uh, the second place got it. And I think John uh, managed to s- smooth things over and I think it was ended up £1,000 or £1,500. I think they had to pay Tapehort for me, which was no bad bit of business for them because I never actually stepped through tapor as a, a tapor <laughs> player. I'd went down and played them a couple of times, but uh, uh, no, they'd done all right. With it. it might have be been a bit frustrating not getting it aside, but uh, yeah, I think it was the right choice for me in the end.
0: Yeah, so just how important were you kind of sold on, on the project that like, Cove were... Or- we're looking to do in terms of progress, in terms of their new ground and stuff?
1: Well, I think, I don't know if you've ever met John or uh, spoke to John. I think he's a salesman at heart and uh, he could really sell sell you the dream. And to be fair, it was a great prospect. I was up in Aberdeen and uh, playing out the junior pitches or good wee pitches and uh, little facilities and then you, you go up to Cove and I know Alan Park and people uh, uh, ridicule it for being small and dated and stuff like that, but it was just in the summer when We'd paint all the walls. The grass was lush green. Oh, everything looked perfect. I remember looking up over the wall, and I was like, "Geez, that looks like a proper team." And then you see the glass bit from the train going past. Uh, really, uh, uh, really excited me to play in for the in, in that ground.
0: Yeah. So, what 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 was your kind of earliest memories in terms of um, joining Cove and your like first season?
1: I probably getting picked up from. Scott Patterson, it was at the time. Remember Scott? He'd played at yeah. Cove before going down the road to England, and he's coaching, I think, in the, the league still. Uh, so i never met the guy before in my life, but John had set uh, set this up for, he'd pick, pick me up in Brecon, so uh, Scotty picked me up and in Brecon. So it was a bit awkward for a start. It's the guy, he'd obviously known, done about having football, picking up this wee random and, uh, in Brecon, so we're travelling up and I remember just being really nervous, being in the car, don't know what to speak about, but he's so laid back. It was, it was easy. It was really, it was fine. And then uh, after that, Kevin Tindall, he'd been away on holiday. He came back and he was traveling with us as well. And uh, so probably that car journey is for a start. And pre-season, I also remember pre-season, I thought it was all really quite professional and good, but then Kevin Tindall came back and there wasn't as many people training as it should have been. I think we're going through a really big rebuilding process lost a lot of experienced boys that summer, and uh, so we dragged in, a, a, John found loads of guys to come in, I think it was I named a few, of us: Barry Stephen came in, Jamie Watt, Phil McKibbin, Jerry O'Driscoll, Robbie Henderson, Kenny McKenzie, and myself, I think we all came in at the same time, and uh, so Tyndall came back from his holiday, being experienced guys, like I'm not fucking happy, we've no signed players was going to kick us on next year, and uh, there's hardly, there's only about 12, 13 boys at training, so he was kicking off, and I think Inveruni were wanting to sign him at the time, so he was holding back inside a new co- deal at Cove until he knew who was coming in. But the training went well, and uh, the start of the season, which just I, I didn't really know what to expect. As I say, I was signed as a, a certain midfielder to get box to box. John just wanted I me mean to because I scored a lot of goals at Rosalie as well. Yeah. Uh, he wanted me to get up in the box. So I did, I think I scored up at Roffus early on. That was my, my earliest go- uh, memory of the goal, anyway. But after that, I think. It was just a different pace of the game. It was just different up in the high league, and I struggled to adapt to the, the pace of the game. And again, uh, for some reason, centre half spot was open again, and uh, John starting the back in there, as did the, the amateur manager to me, and uh, as I took it duck to water. It was it was easy uh, playing with likes of Scott Patterson. He played alongside me, Kevin Tindall as well. These are. Experienced pros and played the game and great speaking. That was something I, I remember uh, going to Highland League and so much better communication. And mm. I've learned throughout the years it was, football's an easy game. If you speak to each other, tell each other what you might be doing and where you might be and who to press and where to go. Uh, and I think that's why I played for so long because the more you tell people around about you what to do, the less kind of moving about and running you have to do yourself. So <laughs> it's worked out all right for myself.
0: Mm. So, how important is that in terms of? Obviously, the, the pace of the game and also being clever on the ball in terms of your, your decision-making. How important was that?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's a massive part of the game. Uh, but just, I don't know, I'd, I've never been the quickest. In the, I've ever been the quickest, but I've, I've been powerful all the time. I've been strong, but in the Highland League, you came up against, it was really clever ex-pros as well that were strong and they knew how to hold you off. And had the pace as well. So I was hiding nothing in the midfield, I think. And uh, being the ball going back and forth I'm over the top of my head. And where, uh, there's an art to that as well, where the ball's going to land. So if you're in midfield, you go see it going up to a big half. And you see a striker nudging him. He's now got to get a clean header. So you're second guessing where the ball's going to be. And you, if you see like any of the good Highland League uh, midfielders, their ability uh, to be in the area where the ball lands, second ball is uh, vital. Uh, and I, I think I struggled with that for a start.
0: Mm. So, who, who were kind of the toughest kind of battles that you you had in your early early time at Cove? Would you say
1: early time? I can't I can't really remember that many, but I remember Mulby, mm. uh, Bucky, I can't remember his right name. Uh, he, I just remember, but that was a couple of seasons. And I can't really remember. I we everyone that first couple of seasons, so I can't really remember being up against so much balls. It was, it was such a blur the way we played. It was like we'd concede goals, so we'd score at the end. We'd concede a goal, so we'd just pile forward last-minute goals, and it was a bit of a blur. But I remember Moby really being one of the, the toughest ones, because he's, he's not a big fella, but he's, he's strong, he's, he's, he's nasty as well, and he's, oh, he's a really good player. And he could he could he should certainly mix it, but I remember him being one of the toughest strikers I've ever come up against. There was a uh, Mara up in Bucky as well. He's, a. Uh, I like playing Mara. I like playing big guys that will just battle you. Like mm-hmm. Mara, the big striker, one of the twins, can't remember his name, up at Forest. Uh, mm-hmm. Who else is the big guys? Even uh, Jerry O'Driscoll when he went and played in other teams as well. I don't. I didn't mind playing against big guys. I want to go run away from you. It's a lot of ones that their movements. Mm-hmm. Probably was not Sutherland in his prime. It was a two-three year spell when he played in Highland. I know he played it for a lot of years, but two or three year spell, he he was uh, he was incredible. His, his ability, his speed, his pace, his, his fitness, and uh, and again, he, he was a tough little bugger as well. Actually, he, he didn't shy away from uh, confrontation, which I like. I like that. I've met him since, and we've had a beer and a good crack as well, which is it's all good.
0: Mm. Um, so, in terms of like, what what was your kind of um, obviously, your your first first title win, how much did that that mean to you in terms of getting your first Highland League trophy?
1: I was huge. Uh, as I say, I came in and I remember speaking to the guys, again, not knowing not too much about the Highland League. I didn't even know who the best teams were, but Jamie Watton came in and he's obviously got bags of experience in the Highland League and I was quizzing him on the way to work one day and it, was like, and it was early on and was third or fourth game, and I was like, where should we be aiming to finish in this league? And he said to me, he, I think his words were, if we get in behind the, the top, the big two or three, I don't know, three or four, we'll be we'll have a good season. So he was aiming for fourth or fifth. And uh, so in my head, that's what it was. Uh, Keith being the main team, Devlin, Vale, Bucky was a big side at that time. Uh, well, that was certainly the three biggest ones, I think, at that point. Uh, and he seemed to think if we get in behind them, we'll be having a good season. Which it turned out, we weren't far away from the, the, the top three come Christmas. And after that, we just kicked on. We were, we were, we were incredible. That took the running actually. We were we hunted down. I think it was Keith at the time and we went on to, to win it. Was it a game to spare or did we win it last game? I can't, I can't even remember actually. But yeah, good, good times.
0: Yeah. So who were kind of the standout players that you were playing alongside in, in that team, would you say?
1: In that team, for some, uh, well, John, he's got a good. He had it. He has still got a great way of getting the best out players. He can be good players, and like there's a Barry Stephen. He he been passing around a few Highland League clubs, and he hadn't really hit the form he had for a few seasons. But that season, first season up at us, he was outstanding. Uh, left or right wing, Jamie Watt as well. I don't think he'd been playing in very locals. He came in. And Jimmy Watkins well, scored a goal from anywhere, to be fair. I remember seeing one. I goal that's kind of it. goals. Kicked it the whole length of the island park. And Jamie was running towards the goals. And I'm sure I hit him on the back or something like that. And it went straight in past the goalie. And he claimed he meant it. But I'm not sure he did. But, uh, so he was, he was a, he, them two were massive players. Yeah, Kevin Tyndall, he played right back for a start. And he ended up playing second half for me. He was a massive player for us. Richie Livingston, another experienced player. Yeah. He played left back played uh, centre midfield with Paul Coutts. I think he did. uh, He played most of the season centre midfield with with Paul Coutts. And I think he was uh, very good for Paul as well. Richie is an older kind of player, experienced player. Knew where to be and could back Couttsy up whenever whenever he needed. And probably let Couttsy roam a wee bit more and get on Mm -hmm. the ball because he knew he had that behind him. Uh, Richie was sitting behind him just kind of sweeping things up. So they were big players. And then there was Clark. Bain coming through. You'd think he'd been in and out of the team, but then he's really started to become a, a focal point in the team. I, I can't really name any bad players in that team. I really don't know. We all played a apart. I can't remember us being that big a squad that there was players getting left out all the time. Everyone played a apart. Neil Krukshank, he was another young boy coming through. Dean Laurie just hit the hit the ground running. He'd had a couple games a year before. He we went on to be a great left back. And then I think... Or oh, Robbie Henderson, that's another one, uh, for Perth. He was a travelling buddy for up there, daft as a brush, but uh yeah, he worked his socks off for the TV, really did a lot of dirty, dirty work. But then we as I say, we we're, were close to the pack, I think at that Christmas time, uh going into the winter. And then John, I'm sure it was Stuart McKenzie, the goalie came in the back as a backup goalie at Lee Wintram at the time, and he got in Martin Johnson and Kevin Webster. Martin Johnson coming in for Elgin, I think, and or was it back for breaking? I can't remember, and uh, Webby coming in from uh, Barros possibly, and they were two. They they two went straight in the start of the eleven as well. And played a lot of goal uh, games, scored a lot of important goals for us as well. So, I think everyone played their part. I can't remember, and obviously Cootsie, uh he was he was magnificent that season. Yeah. I remember, I didn't know too much about him, uh, being on a few nights out with him, and uh, he was a wee bit wild, just just a young white lad, uh, yeah. great fun, and. Uh, he couldn't really be taken too seriously, but when he got he came and get the balls out, the footballs out, he was, uh, uh, he was he was quality. He just I remember like getting the ball at centre half in a lot of Highland League, especially earlier on, it was just like get along, play second mm-hmm. balls. And he was running ten yards from me, a boy up his ass and he's telling me, he's like, Give me the ball, give me the ball, and I'm shelling that long. And he says, "That 18-year-old's is giving me grief because I'm not giving the balls." Like, "Boys, right off your ass." He's like, "Just give me the fucking ball. I'll deal with that." I, like he was just, he was just de- demanding the ball all the time, yeah. and that was something I'd never had in football at any level. Actually, some just for that, uh, uh, just that ability to, and confidence in himself, I suppose, just to say, "No, I just want the ball. Give me the ball right now. I'll, I'll deal with anybody that's round about me." So, I think he. I remember a game up at Keith. I, I don't know if that was kind of a turning point. We, I think, we beat them up there. Or drew with them, I think they were starting to pull away in the league. It's a game up at Keith, and he was up against Stilley, the the old Keith manager. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, I think he's the, he'd been the main midfielder, one of the main midfielders in the Highland League for a lot of years. And he came up against the young Paul Coots that day. And uh, that day, uh, Coots, he ran the show. He was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I think, I don't know if that gave him a wee bit, even more confidence if, if he could mix it with the likes of Stilley, who was still the top of his game like he was he was dominating games and for Cootsie to do that away from home up at Keith against the best team in the Highland League at the time uh, I think it showed his quality
0: Yeah, did, did you always I mean obviously you only played a season with Coots did you were you not surprised when he got the the move down down south or
1: No, not really no, he was a perfect age I think he was frustrated that Aberdeen had let him go uh, that's another one of the, the, what, the two small brigade I think, uh, and his, yeah. dad, his dad, his dad's about six feet two or something. His dad's a, a, a massive man. So I don't know why they didn't believe that Paul was going to grow at all. Because uh, he certainly had the ability, football-wise, to to, to do that. Uh, but like that second half of the season, there was whispers. Obviously, Graham Park knew uh, the guy Ferguson down Peter Peterborough mm-hmm. and Hikirin asking if there's was any, any talent in the Highland League. And, Paul Coots was obviously quite high on the list there, so there would be there've been rumours about him going down there and going down and trial. I think he did go down for a trial for a couple of weeks, even during the season. And uh, everyone was delighted when he finally got his move down.
0: Yeah. So, did you ever have an opportunity to go on, on trials anywhere at a higher level, or did you?
1: Not really. Just I don't know. Like Stonehaven, I did well at times at Stonehaven. There was a team, I can't remember, it was, uh, it was early on, there was a team watching a couple of us and I was one of the guys, but it never came to anything. But no, I never really got any any kind of trial offer from anybody, really. <laughs> it was just I, I went up through the leagues uh, my, my whole career, I suppose, and finished at the top at Cove. Yeah. Uh, that was the pinnacle, that was the highest level I'd played. Never really got the opportunities when I was younger. I think if I did... As I say, I, I found it easy to make steps up. If you're playing with better players, I might, I might have got an opportunity. But again, I, my discipline probably held me back a good bit. I was, was a fair chip on my shoulder when I was younger and uh, I probably lacked a bit of guidance in the... In the in football, by probably a father figure. My dad was there, he wasn't really into football at all, but my mum wasn't ever going to tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing in the pitch or how I should behave or act or what I should and shouldn't do. Probably needed somebody like that to, to grab a hold of me and I and, and maybe would have gotten more opportunities. But you live and learn. Uh, I take my, my boys' football team now, and there's, there's a good football talent and that. There's a few good guys in there, and I think I've got a lot of experience. To, uh, to pass on to these guys and what, what people are looking for, what you should be doing, what's the right things, what's the wrong things. So uh, hopefully I can help some of them going forward.
0: Mm. I was going to say, compared to now, obviously, your your player manager now, um, what's kind of, obviously, the environment in terms of footballs changed drastically in terms of what what you see players in terms of their health, in terms of the way they train, or it seems a lot of them are more, it's more like they're full-time Job, even though they still have a job, if you know what I mean,
1: yeah, and that's good. They're like the young guys, they come in, and like I've never been one for going to the gym. Uh, I've been quite lucky with the physique, was given that I would all be quite fit. They'd always do a wee bit of running and stuff like that. But you see the young guys now, and they're, they're running out of the gym, and their, their bodies are proper like athletes, they really do look after themselves. You see them on the, the, the milkshake drinks and the, all the energy stuff, and they, they do look after themselves, which is good. Uh, And I would try and promote that as much as I can to the ones to really look after themselves because if they are going to do anything, even if it isn't at 18, 19, still give yourself a chance up until your mid-20s if you are properly looking after yourself. Don't just chuck it in, which a lot lot of good players do Mm. in these days. That's the only thing. They do look after themselves, but I don't think they're quite as thick skin now as they used to be. Mm. Uh, There's so many guys. So many talented guys, and I've seen guys like retiring when they're 26, 25, 27. They've kind of had enough of football. Fair enough, if they've fallen out of love with football, but I, th- I still think they've still got 10 good years in them playing. Uh, even if they have to drop down a level uh, to, to have another kick to go back higher again, I don't know. I think the uh, commitment again probably from some of the younger lot is uh, different from what it is now. Uh, you can't speak to them the same as you, you did before. Yeah. You used to get absolutely rollicked for doing wrong things at training and now they're probably say, Oh fuck, fuck you, I'm going to come back next week, rather mm. than yeah. back in the day they would say, well, fuck you, I'll show you what yeah. you're wrong and mm. then you would go the opposite way. So yeah. that, that that's a big frustration in football today. But again, I don't know, there is so much talent there and if they can be nurtured the right way and given the right guidance as well, there could be so many better players as well playing for a lot longer.
0: Yeah so um how important in terms of obviously you went on to 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 win our league titles how important is that like winning mentality and obviously in the cove teams you've been have been quite rampant in terms of winning week in week out and and keeping that up on a consistent basis how how do you cope with that in terms of keeping the standards I- high
1: yeah, that's it. you've got to keep a standard high. Don't don't accept second best at training. Get on to each other, and I did see people nipping at each other. And as long as it's in the right way, it's it's fine, absolutely fine. I'm all for that. If you're picking on somebody not so good, uh, you're obviously just going to do their confidence. But if you're if you're doing the right things and you're doing the right things at training all the time, but a win, winning mentality isn't something that's just built overnight. It, it takes a long, long time to to uh, to develop. Uh, and I think. When I think back to when we left Allen Park in it 2015, we were left without a home, a home ground to play out of. Actually. I know Enveruri Veruhi and Formart and then Lossie we played games at as well. Huntley we played games. I think that last win mentality really ramped up there because if you, always just kind of felt that you had to give that extra wee bit. Of, you didn't have you've had about ten people home fans watching you if you're up at Lossie Mouth at a home game. Yeah. Uh, I think it really developed from there, I think we played three years away without home pitch and we won the league twice, which is an incredible feat, uh, I don't think it's spoken about enough actually, they do speak about Cove winning the league, but the way we did win that two leagues, not playing a home game was incredible, and the guys in that run were like uh, myself and the guys that are still playing now, Jules, Scully, Meganson, McKenzie, Mounds. Uh, Scott Ross Masson Strachan these are guys that all played in that so I think it's helped massively going from the Highland League into that the second division there they all had the the mentality of we're going to win every week, and they did they just hit the ground running they didn't accept second best and I think it went on the next league again they missed out the year before again I think we have just driven on got better they've obviously added players but that winning mentality of that dressing room has not changed so I think uh, a massive credit to them and uh everything they've done so far.
0: Yeah, so in, ter- in in terms of yourself, going back to the different Highland League wins, um, one of the, the ones that kind of stand out for me is the, the final day one against... For Martin, obviously they had... Um, Pale He came in there was a lot of talk of them you know winning the league i remember I, f- I remember there was a back page saying it's our league to to lose or something um how was that yeah. season um in terms of, of that going up to you know the final day win
1: i't i really can't remember much about the the middle of that season or, or why we were so far behind chasing them. I think they, they, they had done really well that year they were a really good team. But they, they did start to stutter. I remember I was injured a lot the middle part of that season, actually. And I only came back into the team late on in the season. And uh, But uh, what a day that was. I know the week before, we were up at Rothes, uh playing. Not a very strong team with Rothis at the time, I don't think. And uh, for Martin, I had Nairn at home. So we were up at Rothis and I think it was nil-nil for a long, long time. And we went one, I can't even remember what game finished, but I remember going up for a corner and I went out the back, I got it, went to Byling, crossed it, and then MJ scored. And I made it one nil. We might have got a second to make it comfortable, but the fans on the side, there wasn't that many people at Roths so they're shouting on, Nairns, Nairns uh, ahead, Nairns ahead. And then uh, after full time, I'm running at the fans saying, is that game over? And they're like, yeah, it's over, it's over. Yeah, they've been beat. And walking off that pitch, I don't know for about anybody else, but Walking off that pitch, I, I knew myself that I was going to win next next week, regardless of what happened. And uh, it showed that it, it proved to be right. there was just a feeling about that. that they had started, they had had their chances to win the league and really blown it uh, a couple of bad results on the way in. I was speaking to Kevin Webster, uh, he had left Cove, he'd gone to Vermont speaking to him at the weekend there. And he said there was too many changes in and out of the squad at the end of the season. He said yeah. they rotated it far too much. And uh, he never played that last game actually. It was, I think it was Kevin Webster, uh, Daniel Park was there as well. Stephen Jeffrey, Jeffrey, mm-hmm. yeah, so in fact, he was there as well. So there was three guys who cove there as well. So it was, was a wee bit of added needle to that when uh, we, we turned up on the the final day. But that day, I don't know if was you at that game or you've been too young for that.
0: Um, no, I I remember seeing the the highlights. I wasn't at the game, but
1: I was. it was It, uh, it must have been. A game in really early, middle of May or something like that, I think the game was, but it was downpours. It, the weather was horrendous. And I don't. I think it might, have, if it wasn't for the uh, final league decider on the last day of the season, that game might have went off. Actually, the amount of fans that were there, the massive amount of fans, it was brilliant. Unbelievable, actually I came out to watch that game and that weather, because it was horrendous. Uh, the, I remember the ball sticking in bits in the grass, but uh, I think we, we, we dominated. We dominated that game. We never battered them, making chances, but we were just so solid at the back. I can remember me and Redford playing at the centre back, and it was just we we're just throwing ourselves at everything. There was just we we're making sure they weren't to go get in the box. If you can't get in the box, they weren't going to go and score. So uh, we, we did the business that day. But as I say that, I had it in my head from the, with the beat before So walking off that Arthur's pitch, we were going to win that week.
0: Yeah. So um, in terms of like, what do you think's been the difference between Cove and? And um, for Martin, in terms of obviously Cove have won umpteen titles and and for Martin's had chances but seemed to slip up. But What do you think? Is it a mentality thing? Is it like, what do you
1: think? I think it'd be a lot to do with mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And standards as well. Some of the players they had through the doors at that club's been ridiculous. They've been absolutely outstanding players. But I don't know if... set their standards or was kept to the standard. they could do it in, in patches and they could be brilliant patches but you have to do it every, every week and I think that's where they struggle. They, they let themselves down by not not playing the their I standard, uh, setting standards and keeping to them every week yeah. I, count, uh, I can only put it down now because the, the quality of player they've had some of them has been frightening
0: mm-hmm. So what was those type of battles obviously you've been in, in terms of you faced the likes of you know for Martin your, your brothers when they've been at their Peak. What? How? how do you find those head-to-head games?
1: That's That's what I loved. I absolutely loved them, and I would never shy away from them. That's that's what made you go. Sometimes you'd go to wait at work, not near away to Fort William or something like that at the time, and. Those are the games I would prick about, and, like take an extra touch or try and play a pass that I should be playing, or take I'll try and beat the striker because <laughs> it was so uh, you are so comfortable. And John probably would tell himself he uh, he pull his head out and he's like, "Dude, the fucking right thanks. Let's yeah. see the big games. I, I think I can't remember. Somebody said like I don't think it was John. Somebody said like he, sometimes I wasn't. It just didn't really. Give me the appetite. That games didn't give me the appetite to play. It was the, the the Fraserburgh games away from home. Brora Bucky away, and the home games against them as well uh, for Martin. But home and away, they were the big games uh, that I loved playing, and I would have played them every week. Mm. And uh, even though uh, we took some beatings as well, up at Fraserburgh, I used to play them on like the New Year's Day fixture. Yeah, and we did get we did get a couple of beatings up there, but uh, on New Year. But I, I just loved the atmosphere. I, I thrived off uh, the crowd as well, and obviously, I got a lot of hate. There's <laughs> a lot of haters of the crowd for me, but I, I thrived off it. I loved that. We've mm. interaction with the crowd. You Watson, know, you're this, you're that. And, you know, What's What's and uh, I just loved that. I loved it all over. Uh, I used to get over at Brora. I got it everywhere, to be fair. But Brora was a, uh, particularly big. Wick, Bucky, Bra, Turriff, uh, Fur Martin. Mm. They, uh, they were probably the worst ones. The Tariff ones are great, actually. I don't, where are you from? In the in yeah, the
0: I'm, yeah, I'm from um, Banff. Um, so what, Banff. Yeah, what what was funny about Tariff? What was kind of
1: well, the Tariff uh, the the locals there they uh, they used to go from a bit. There were a lot. There was a lot of farmers. They're a bit so yeah so I'd be uh, watching you this and I was like fuck off in your trap to you're farming blah blah blah. And then they're, I go, they're all jumping the barrier going mad at me. but unbeknown to them. I'm like I, I was brought up in a farm, <laughs> my dad was a farmer, so they're spending the absolute dummy at me shouting this to them, but I'm chuckling myself, knowing fine that I'm as much a sure farmer as half of them anyway. I, and again as. uh like, goes out to social media, and people just think they can say what they want to anybody nowadays, and that's they'll be not pulled up for it. But, and like in the professional football or big crowds, you, you'll not get pulled up for it. in the Highland League if there's only after 20 years in the stand and you see the boy shouting at you, you you'll you'll know who he is. Mm. You can shout something like right back at him, like so. Mm. Uh, no, I do, I, I love that interaction, even though it was a lot of it was abuse. Uh, the cool fans were good to me, and uh, my teammates around about were good to me. I was doing the business for them, so it didn't really worry me too much at all.
0: I was going to say, being able to shut them up probably probably brought a yeah. smile to your face in terms of. Yeah, I remember
1: uh, a game up at Clack, and they had there was some Clack went through spells of having like young guys going the games, and I remember a group of five or six of them just giving me dog's abuse for most of the game, and uh, it was a tight game, and I think I scored, but they were up my end of the pitch I, when I was defending, I scored yeah. the other end. But I like ran the whole length of the pitch uh, right in front of them, celebrating in front of them. And uh they were, I fizzed, but I actually met them back in the social club after it and they came up shooting my hands and that you were brilliant great banter and it uh, was all forgotten about it was that was great. Another one was Rothis. I don't know where they got a crew from the last few years, but I was getting dogs use at Inveruri. I think it was for Cove though. No it was for Inveruri. It must be my first season in Yeah, and, Yeah. Uh, Again, that was just something similar. I didn't score. We could to be told to you, but didn't score. But I ran all the way up there, and it was a way to celebrate in front of them. But I just ran just past them, so I wouldn't get booked by the ref and celebrate in front of them in the really fast, So they were all um, just about on the pitch and that. But all aye, I, loved that. Hmm. Absolutely loved that.
0: Have you ever had any funny interactions that you can talk about with with like opposition players? Um, any kind of ones that stand out that you can repeat, or uh, <laughs> or is it a bit...
1: I... There's, still, there's too many I think. I but, uh there is some funny ones. I can't think off the top of my head, but there's some witty strikers and uh some of the things they say the you chuck back at them and mm. you're you back and forth. But no, it's just general stuff. It really is. I can't remember I had been too hurtful or too uh, to the bone. It's just that kind of general banner. Mm.
0: Any any funny any any funny referees you've you've dealt with? Um because some of them could be a bit bizarre. Oh,
1: I don't want to name names in yeah. some of them actually so some of the younger ones were uh, just aye, I'll not say much about them but there was a couple I'm like uh, it was a, it was a assist, I don't know if he's assistant manager now but Nairn I always speak quite highly of him, I, kind of, I forget his name now he was a high League ref he was, a, he was from Nairn I think he's on the Committee or on the staff at and he was certainly, and he had to give up the his referee license because of his age and whether it was over fifty, fifty or fifty five, he had to drop down the levels. He wasn't going to do that. So speaking away uh, during the game, I actually can't remember if he was that good a ref or not. But the whole time he was on the pitch, yeah. he spoke to you. He spoke to you with respect. Soon as somebody speaks to you with respect, you'll mm. speak to them with respect back straight away. It doesn't matter what walk of life and what sport you're playing. If somebody speaks to you with respect. If you, if you don't speak with respect back, you're, you're not not a great person. Like, but straight away, I spoke to respect back and we had that mutual understanding for the barriers to cross. And uh, he was brilliant. I thought I had him two or three times. And I was like, if everyone got taught how to speak to players or just how to uh, handle people, and he obviously got people really well, it made such a difference. And as I say, I can't remember any massive... Compliment. I remember like appealing for a throw-in and I, I, was, a, I was right up at him. It's like and he's like, don't run, do not run ten yards to me. To appeal like that. You can appeal, but do it when you're running. backwards. So like, I no bother, I'm no bother. And I was like, I start it's clearly come off. He goes, look, big man, I've that's the way I've seen it. I'm not doing it to try and do you. I've obviously got it wrong. And he said, and he just said, I've obviously got it wrong. And then after that, I'm like, I've got nothing to say. I was like, no bother, and just run back in the position. That's it. Defused. Uh, uh, I said, defuse. I confrontation over. But like some of the referees now. The young ones, and they chirping chirping. Daniel Park, he's brilliant. He uh, he loves to chirp at everyone, actually and the referees. And I've seen him running back and forth, having like full-blown arguments. the referee as the game's going on, the referees arguing, and Parky's arguing back. And like, just get on with the game, I, I the referee. Yeah. But then that's just somebody that can't handle people and diffuse situations like the guy at Nean And I think that's massive in football. But to be fair, I think the referees are taught to be. That, that way inclined. Don't don't get into discussions with players. You're there to be their authority and uh, mm. I think that's what it kind of comes across. But I think if it did go back to that, give somebody respect and they're going to show you it back. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um so so moving on to obviously you were involved with the, the playoffs a number of times. One one of the kind of um main ones that um was the, was the first time you got to the final in terms of the Beach the game. What kind of experience was was that like for, for you? Um, obviously, there was a lot of stuff happening after the match yourself, and a lot of players got sent off. It seemed to be like madness, seeing all the photos and stuff and
1: videos. Yeah, yeah, that game, uh, I have to say, I've said it to a lot of people, it was a dark, dark day for me at football, actually. It was absolutely heartbreaking. Uh mm. But to be fair, that game we should have been out of sight. Uh, we should have put that to bed, near left in the Inverurie. For some reason, we couldn't have scored that day. The chances we created, their goalkeeper had an absolute blinder of a game. That we To go down there nil nil was very disappointing. But we were right in the game. They were a far better team the second half, uh, the second leg. I think it went in 1 0 half time. Uh, it felt like a normal game, absolute normal game. Second half came out. And uh, I was just something near right. and I I can't I can't say too much about it, but uh, it was just there was just things like before the game, the referee, if you've been down to County the referee and the assistants are warming up on the far side of the pitch away from the stand so there's a racing track around that it's miles away from the stand there's about five or six committee boys on chatting to them having a laugh on the side of the pitch I remember saying to Roy McBain I was like Roy go and get them off the pitch they shouldn't be near that ref get them away and I said that before the game and uh, as I say that second half kicked off and just every decision seemed to go against us we got nothing absolutely nothing my my wee boy Finn he would have been about six at the time sat in the the crowd with the fans and he asked me after the day, "Daddy, how did uh, how did that goal stand? The the big fast striker kicked uh, quite clearly kicked Stewart the goalie. Uh, when he'd come out of the box, he'd scuffed a clearance, uh, and he's running back. The big striker just kicked, cleaned cleaned them out, and they chipped the ball in, make it two one. And that's uh, where they kind of held with it. After that, and then I think we got the third, like Scott Ross had chucked it by then. Called the ref- I think he'd maybe give somebody a slap <laughs> as well. Then it all kicked off after that. Their, their sideline was a disgrace as well. They're yeah. all on the pit. The ref did nothing about that. But uh, No, and uh, there was another thing, I think. There was no cameras at that. There was, uh, there was photographers there. There was no video football footage of that game at all. Yeah, I think Beef I think they had, I, think he, I don't know if you can put something to the, the league, but they had requested not to have video cameras at that game as well, so Oh, that's a strange one as well, but I see it now. Uh, I seen them the other week there, and that made me very happy actually yeah. to see them so finally, get a bit, finally get a bit of justice. So. I had a beer. I had a beer, toasted of that. Actually, oh, which, uh, I was. I was
0: going to say it's been a long time coming. I think they're one of those clubs exactly. that have been kind of circling near the bottom for yeah.
1: me, So it was kind of yeah. They've they escaped the trap, trap door two or three times actually. I see them go down. Was uh, it was a uh, quite a sweet for me. But then again, that's why the, the the pyramid system's come in. to get rid of clubs. It's just dropping at the bottom of the league, really, just oh. dropping up the league, and then to give the likes of Cove a chance. Did, did Edinburgh City go up this season? They've had um, a wee crack at it. And yeah. And then there was uh, yeah. Yeah. Kelly Hearts as well. They've come up and they've cracked on as well. So that's what this—that's what it's all about. So I wish them all the best. And Bonnie Rig like Rose, I'm sure they'll go and have a crack at it as well. So good luck to them.
0: Yeah, um, do do you, do you feel like they should make it automatic promotion to, to make it so much better in terms of have like, or have like a one-off playoff between the and League champion and high League champion, just have it like a cup final kind of thing, do you feel?
1: Oh, are, you, are you so bad, you? Uh... Yeah,
0: because it might make a bigger thing of it, if you know what I mean.
1: I don't know I, I, I don't know it's just because it's been like that the whole time we've had seen it so we've known what's there because there is well, it's another four games at the end of the season really isn't it yeah. it's after a retiring season and I think that's how we struggled against Edinburgh City at the time we had played a long season I think Edinburgh City had won the league with about eight games to go so we could rest all our players but we were I can't imagine we were fighting to win the league that season was it for Martin that year? Mm. Possibly I remember Darrell Nickel was our, our star man banging in the goals and his hammy kept going, he kept coming yeah. off, we, we kept needing to play him, we needed his goals, we kept playing him and uh, we were just, we. everyone had to play right up to the, the Saturday before that game, nobody got a rest and then you're just straight into that game and, and uh, we were just kind of blown away. I think they were, I think they were fresh and ready to go and uh, we did struggle. So as uh, and I think the East Kilbride did at that time as well, they sat and waited for us but it didn't make such a difference. But I now you say like to get to that final, it's, it's four extra games at the end of the season, another month really of on your, on your season. But the, the league's yeah. never going to vote for just an automatic drop out, drop out yeah. of the league. And I could can, I can see why they, they would do that. They want to give themselves the best chance. But it does it does create a bit of a uh, interaction uh, with it at the end of the season everyone knows it and then gives you an extra couple of games to go and watch it gets the fans involved it gives a bit of interest around the, the other leagues everyone's having a look to see who's got a match to do it
0: Yeah so how important was it to, to play a part in, in Cove's promotion um, to to League to? how how proud were you of, of that moment?
1: Ma- ma- massively yeah. uh, absolutely massively I'm, as I said at uh, the start of that season I, I didn't really play much I had been away I had been injured in and out and, I hadn't played much and then I got into the team about September played till just after Christmas and then dropped out the team Scott Ross uh, and Strachan were playing really well centre half and we were winning games I think I could have maybe played another couple of games uh, in the Highland League but it wasn't to be but I was still doing my best obviously I was setting standards of training and stuff but going into that playoff final, well going into finals there we had East Kilbride Bride and Berwick eventually. But John obviously had his health scare yeah, right yeah. before the East Kilbride game. So we were kind of managerless. So at the time John was uh resting and recuperating. So Graham really had to take the team after that. Graham and Roy and with me not playing I, I, I tried to help as best they can, Graham knew what he was doing Roy's being an experienced guy as well they just had an extra set of hands around the place trying to help to, to prepare the boys and to make sure the things were done right and we were going in with the right attitude but I think with John we are driven enough to to win that game anyway but John, doing it for John sitting at home, he'd been listening to in the radio or whatever, I think gave the boys some extra extra uh, to, to go on and to, to do it but to to be part of that was massive. As I say, I started at uh, Stonehaven through Loughborough, Amateurs, Roseley, Cove. I Was sold the dream of getting into the leagues with John yeah. twelve years previous. So I hadn't played that much. I kind of made, had it in my head that I was probably, probably getting to that age that I'm probably have to step back from Cove. And so I made a my decision quite early that I wasn't going to I wasn't going to sign on again anyway. So to to go out and uh, they go out the way we did. I, I was a captain and captained them to, to the Scottish League so mm. I'll always have that uh, I did play the last couple of games I played a game at uh, Cove for the end of the season there against Clark when we got the trophy I started that game I got taken off standing an ovation and I thought in my head that that was the last game I'd play for Cove oh, that would be the last time I was on the pitch played, as long as everyone stayed fit I could have picked the teams that were going to play East Kilbride and Berwick but uh, with the game being so comfortable uh, blew Berwick away that first leg 4-0 I think at home yeah. and I went down there we were 3-0 up and the, that day the fans I had loads of fans down that day what, what a trip that they went down with down Berwick but I had half a stand full and the whole second half I was on the bench I kept going out to warm up and they were all singing Eric Watson songs and stuff like that I kept singing Eric Watson and and uh, about 15 minutes ago, and Graham turned to me and says, uh, Go and get warmed up. And I, like, I might get on here, actually. Then, so sure enough, five minutes ago, he stuck me on. Uh, so that was a massive, I was so proud to get on that day, and obviously, proud of what the team achieved as well. Uh, to finally realise what, uh, what we've been aiming for for the last I don't know how many years, especially latterly, we just about got in the leagues when I first got out of Cove. When you yeah. got voted, voted in, my oh, yeah,
0: Arnon got in, yeah.
1: And got in by about two votes out of everyone. It was so close as well. that uh, to go and put yourself off your own steam, uh, winning the winning the way through was uh no, it was a, a great way to finish. And uh, I when that whistle went it was on the pitch, the boys celebrating. and they'll say that's cool finishing the Highland League. I don't think you'll see the back in the Highland League now, the way they've kicked on. Uh, it was it was brilliant. Absolutely great way to finish my time in Cove.
0: Yeah, so just how how impressed have you been in terms of how they've done in in higher league? Obviously, they've kind of to an extent league two they kind of cruised it, and then obviously league one they so the so their championship next season. So
1: I know that's incredible. Was that three seasons in the the championship? Incredible. When I left, I still spoke to the boys, and I, I knew whether it came out. When we went up, it was a five year plan to get them into the, the championship. And I was, I remember coming out, and like, I know they're an ambitious club and we were going the right way. had some good players. I was like, that's a wee bit ambitious. Like there's clubs up and down Scotland we try to do that for years and the no Fulker can barely get in and yeah, some of these yeah, big crews they can barely get in the league. So uh I was thinking I, I remember thinking that's a bit ambitious, like we've, we've fairly proved my wrong, as you say, the crews at the first season. They were unlucky the second season, but they bedded themselves in that league. They knew, they knew what to do last year, and uh, they went on and they did unbelievable. So I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing them next year and how they how they cope in the championship.
0: Yeah, how, how great is it to see so many players who who played who 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 started their trade in the Highland League now now they're going to be playing Championship next season? It's just brilliant.
1: it's brilliant. Every every week I look at the at the team, just to see how many guys I played with in that team. And it's usually uh, Mackenzie, the goalie, Scott Ross, Harvey <laughs> Mellon, Ewell, Scully, Masson, yeah. Meganson. I think there's usually seven or eight all playing. So that makes me proud as well. But then the the young guys I see come through at Cove as boys, Scully, Ewell and Milne. Mm. to see that kick on, it's uh, been fantastic. I think I know Blair went down and had a taste of it, where our growth didn't really work out for him. Uh, and Scully as well, he took a while to realise his potential, I think. He was a frustrating player when he was younger, but uh, now he's a bit older he realises what he should be doing in and out of the team. and uh, He's kicked on massively as well. And it's been brilliant to see them take a step up, as I say, play. But as I spoke about, me at a lesser level, you play with better players in better leagues against better players. You've got to make that step and you've got to do it quickly or you've got to get found out and you're going to get, end up back down the league. Like, the, the way they've taken that in their stride has been incredible. I know Megan since started; he played at that level, Scott Ross, Strachan, Masson probably to an extent played at that level as well. But that three that I see come through as 16-year-old boys, right up in men now, uh, that makes me immensely proud. Yeah.
0: Do you see more Highland League teams following what, what Cova has achieved in getting promoted up through the divisions in the years to come?
1: I think that there's got to be more have a go at it. I think Fraserborough really wanted to have a right go at it. this year. They were unlucky in the playoffs. They come up against a really good Bonnie Riggs-Rose side. I think Fraser would have beaten Cowdenbeath comfortably as well, actually. But uh, they were just unlucky that, that Bonnie Riggs-Rose was such a good team. But, and I think Brora, there was words to them. They, they they would fancy it now. I know they, they didn't really think it was there, the mm-hmm. thing they wanted to do the last time they had the chance. Uh, Fraser uh, for Martin. I've spoke to people from Martin playing-wise as well. and They're ambitious to get up in the league. I know in Brewery locals are ambitious as well. So I think it's only a good thing. It's great being a big fish in a, a small pond, but if you, as I say, you want to test yourself and you want to test these young lads to get better all the time. You've got to play better teams, play in better leagues and, and improve yourself.
0: Yeah, because you saw Cole, um prove themselves against, even though they got beaten by Hibs, they seemed to seem to match them. Um, that was a game that was on the TV a while ago. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I, they played that. And I think the only thing that let them down that day was their, uh, they came up against a full-time team. The, the fitness, I think, fitness told in the end. Otherwise, they, they, went, I, they went toe-to-toe with them the, the whole game, really. But in the end, you've seen a couple of them. They were just out on their feet, Uh and they're part-time footballers. So they look after themselves the way they can, but the part-time footballer's not going to be as fit as a full-time footballer. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, no, they showed they were they're more than a, a match uh, on their day to, for anybody.
0: Yeah, so um, after Cove, you, you went to Inveroo Locos. How, how did you find your time there? And did you ever have like any options to go elsewhere? Or?
1: Yeah, well, when I finished, when I, I said I was leaving Cove... I just had it in my head, uh, it was probably with Jamie Watt, uh, he was the Bank 3 manager, I know I'd had discussions with him, he, he'd maybe quite fancy an experienced uh, defender, or going back to Rosalie at that point, I didn't think it was a 37 year old uh, defender, I didn't really think there was going to be that much need for one, but as soon as that went out that I was finishing, the phone just started, texts coming through for everyone, just everyone asking what I was doing, this three or four junior clubs looked at me there was three or four highly league clubs that uh, approached me as well I spoke to a couple and then uh, finally I decided on going in with the locals I spoke to uh, Neil Cooper uh, and uh, Andy Lowe as well he was instrumental in getting me in too was, if you've ever getting signed by Andy Lowe he'll he, even if you do rubber his phone calls he'll just keep phoning you he keeps phoning you keep keeps phoning you until you have to pick up but no I went met them met Mike McCauley as well and uh, just a great club and really in Veruri, it was a great it was a, a great decision for me to go there but it's just the whole COVID it was kind of just ruined that. my yeah. whole time there just and I, I, didn't, I didn't have any more time to give them really that first season uh, we did alright I think we are a team building there was a few team players came in and out and uh, I think we were trying to build something for probably the following season and then Covid hit the, the tail end of that season the league was cut short I think we are sitting second I know teams, there was teams with loads of games at hand but I, I claim that as a second place yeah. finish. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I think Fraser had been six games in handover, I think I still I still count that as a, a finish of a yeah But uh, no, it was a great time and a great club and I wish I could have played there longer, but uh, as I say, time's running out on my, my my playing career. The travelling was kind of killing at cove, mm-hmm. uh, I always travelled with somebody, it was always it was always guys from the south. But uh in Veruri, I was up and down that road, and then it was getting the winter. I was just up and down that road myself. Mm. You were on the phone with people on the way down the road just to kill time. Mm. Uh, it was a, a massive ask. And then, of course, we weren't playing football. The, the football stopped. I did sign that new deal in the summer because I thought it was a chink of light at the, the end of the COVID. But mm. it didn't really prove, prove mm. to be. We did pre-season, got myself half-fit again, and then we never really got played. And it dragged on to about Christmas time. And I was like, nah, there's, well, with the Cove, when you see what was going on in the world, you, you realise there's more to me, more to life than running up the road to, to play in for football, a game of football, when there's one of that was happening in the world. So I made a decision I had to, to leave. So I cut my ties, red, really, but not a bad word to say against them. Not a lot of time for the club. As I say, Neil, Neil Cooper was good to me. Loza was great with me. And uh, Mike McCauley as well, top. Top man, top, top man.
0: Yeah, so there was a lot of young players and there's been a lot of, um, they seem to be picking up a lot of young players who have potential to kind of move on in terms of you got Robbie War and, and different players. Who were kind of the players that you kind of feel like could, could push on and kind of impressed you when
1: you were? Robbie came in, I think he came in after I left. I know those I was chasing him at the time. Uh... Kieran Shanks had just come in and, and trained a couple of times. There was something about him, actually, I think I fell out with him at training at one time. uh He was mouthing off, he was just a young lad in the door. I think I should have parked on the ball and I had a shot or something, he said, So I had a wee bit of disagreement with him. But uh, you've seen he had quality, and, and I think I mentioned it on another podcast. Uh, I, I did see quality in him. He's obviously shown his worth this year as well. But I think it was a good way to go for Inveruri. The, the, they obviously, had in myself, they were hoping I would try and help uh, these young lads into the, into the team, but it's certainly the way to go. They're talented young footballers. Uh, I know there's midfielders, at Robertson as well. Yeah, I haven't been yeah. enough to see much of Inverurie, but he's come in as well. And there's uh, some good young And then they had, like uh, uh, Andy Watt, he went away to Turriff uh, and other young boys going through there as well. So it's a way to go, especially for a, a, a club like Inverurie get them in young and they might not have instant success but if they can keep that group of core, that team together, uh, it'll it'll only be good for them because they were kind of relying on the likes of Nacho. He was brilliant actually. He he was a year older. Mead still playing and his fitness was phenomenal. Uh, Chopper as well. He was a great player too but they have got some, got, uh, some good players there, good experienced players there and uh, if they can keep that young guys improving the way they have, they're, they're going to have the right go in the next year or two as well. A, t- a team like Senvalo, because they had Nacho there. You speak about set standards. And standards. He was there, like he would train and every. Time. He'd be first at training. He'd be the last there. Uh, he'd knock his pan, and you, you physically see how much he was knocking his pan. In. And he does, uh, He demanded standards as well. And I think it's just great for any player coming through. Uh, to see that he he was a guy as I say he was a year older than me and he was still given absolutely everything for that club hmm. and, and the, the younger players buy into that like well that's normal here that's what we do here and that's the kind of thing it is setting standards and uh it just carries on. They'll they'll take it on. They'll take it on a couple of years, and then they'll see younger boys. They can they can have a like, point the finger and say that's not acceptable. This is what we do here, and this is what we demand here. So hugely, and I think it's great having all these young players in a team. But you, you do still need experience there, to, yeah. especially when the going gets tough. Yeah. Uh, you need that experience just to, to keep them grounded, keep them level, and uh, keep them pointing the right direction.
0: Yeah. So, f- final few questions. Who who do you think next season will win the league? Who who are your kind of who's your money on?
1: <laughs> I think uh, Fraser Bra I would say must be one of the favourites again. Uh, as I say, they've had that. They've built something there. Mark Cowie's done well there. They've they've had and some of the experienced boys have gone, but they've kept that core of players for years and they've been building for that for the last five years. I say. I would say. Yeah, uh, Willie West maybe coming to the tail end, but again, he'll be what the one setting standards to these guys. So Fraser will be there. I think Bucky will come back stronger again. Spider will probably pull something out of the hat again. i will build, I think they'll be strong again. The same won't be far away. And I would imagine uh Anderson's uh for Martin will try and get them going again as well. I think it'll be a good league. I think Cove, you, you I don't know from other teams' perspectives but I think a lot of them were beaten before the season even started and once you've seen Cove us starting to win games I think it became kind of one-horse race at times as well especially latterly in some of the seasons going past before getting promoted but I think everyone will look at all that top four or five teams will look at each other and think we can, we can take points off them and somebody else will take points off them. So I think it's open for, right open now. And there's Rothes again. I think they're building it. They'll strengthen as well. So I think it'll, make, it'll be making a right good uh, league this year.
0: Yeah. So how, how do you see um, Breakin fair in their second season? Um,
1: in terms of, of course, I forget, I forget about Breakin as well. Yeah. They're, I think they're going to be much more equipped this year. I was a wee bit uh, negative towards them the way that they set up this year. But to be fair, you didn't get they didn't get long to to throw a team together. Like yeah. they went down after they went down after the playoffs. The Hale squad left. I think there was only about three players left. A week or two, to try and get together where they were actually what league they were going to be in because they were still trying to fight to be in the South League. Yeah. Then they had to appoint a manager, get some coaching staff in, and they had to try and sign players. So they threw a team together. In a matter of weeks, So we're playing trialists. Even with the start of the league, I think they are playing trialists. So this year, they know what they know what's needed. They'll, they'll bring in a lot of players as well. I think we'll spend a good bit of money again this year. So I, I, there'll be another one in the mix. They'll they'll be looking around, thinking we'll fancy this this year. As I say, I think we spoke earlier on. They signed a young junior striker who played ex senior. I think he's ex Dundee as well, scoring a lot of goals this year. I think he'll be he'll be one to watch. Uh, and, and again, as I said, they'll bring in some experience. And brought the, the Elgin captain in as well. He's a local guy to Breakin. The oh, yeah. Breakin break youths, he's come in as well. So that was the kind of player they need. But, but as I say, they the threw a team together then. They are late on in the season. The kind of players that are available late in a se- uh, late in pre-season are the kind of players that are getting... <laughs> I'll be having a look at it and thinking, I really want them. All the best players are snapped up at the start of the pre-season. Yeah. So they'll be much more equipped now to get in the kind of player they want, the type of player they need. Uh, and I think they'll be there or thereabouts as well this year.
0: Yeah, so final question. How how are you finding management in terms of um, – how how are you finding it, basically?
1: Hey, it's different. It's different if you forget, because kind of, I am playing – I have been playing as well, so you're kind of – in the players' bubble, but then you, you've got to keep out of it as well. You, you can't be right in it. Uh So it was kind of difficult. I brought in a, a good pal of mine. I played at Rosalie, David Craig, Dovey, and uh, the goalkeeper, Coach Ronnie, he, he was there when I was at Rosalie as well. So these are guys I know really well. But like that first, as I speak about the season, just past there, I think the start of that season, I think it started all right. We had a few decent results and then COVID hit a heap of guys got COVID a heap of guys were injured a heap of guys were missing in yeah. September September I think they never lost a game we never won a game we got beat all four games or five games I think we played we beat them all and that, uh, that's doom and gloom when you're coming to back to home thinking Jesus is this even for me uh, the, uh, the boys even signed for me at, at the putting end but they were, they were in, we'd come out the other side of that so it's a bit of character building for me uh, that bit as I say, that was only September past, but that just seems such a long, long time ago. We came back after Christmas, we, we kicked on, I think we we're a better team after that, we've got more boys fit. Uh, and again, bringing in players, Mentreux, we, we, we will uh, compete with the bigger, bigger junior clubs down uh, in Aberdeen with the finances and stuff that they've got at their disposal. Montrose just doesn't do that, so we have got to rely on all your best local players come in and yeah. playing, and want to play for Rosalie. We'll play at Lynx Park. Uh, uh, unbelievable surface there. Yeah. So that should attract them. So I've got a good bunch of boys. They, they, they're, honest, they're honest lads. They're honest lads. I'm not trying to stiff, stitch me up or anything like that. But I think if we're fitter next year, I think they know what I'm expecting them now as well. So I think we'll be a better team next year. But it's been a steep learning curve, that's for sure. But dealing with dealing with COVID, that was a, the big thing. Like, you start of the season, you want to get showers.
0: Yeah.
1: They weren't allowed to tra- uh, travel in the same cars at times. There was so many restrictions and oh, it was I was doing my head in. And, and that's kind of one of the reasons I left in Varuri because I couldn't have, I couldn't cope with any of that. So that was still there. So that was kind of getting me down as well. But it's kinda of all opened up now. Uh the world's looking a wee bit more normal. So I'm really I'm looking forward to this season to get to get going again in a more normal kind of setup for a league and uh have a right go and see see where we end up.
0: Yeah. So, final question: What um, what sort of things have you kind of learnt from the managers you've played under, and kind of you know used in terms of your management? Would you say?
1: But, I, I never played under a lot of managers. To be fair, uh, there was only there was only two at, two at Cove: John <laughs> Tindall and uh, John again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think. Man management is one of the biggest things in football. If these boys are at these teams, they're obviously because they've got a bit of ability. But, uh, you've got to you've got to manage them and uh, how they give up back to you and how they play and as I say, treatment of players. You, you've got to treat everyone differently. I think I'm quite good at that in life actually. in General life, you. You speak to his, a big bullshit guy, and you'll, you'll you can give him a bit of grief because he'll take yeah. that. But then the quieter ones as well. There's no point treating him the same as the other guy because that's not going to work. I think, and I think this, John was one of the best at getting the best out of people, so they would run through brick walls for you. Or they would use every get every uh, outer ability out of them, and I think uh, that's something I try and. Strive to to be that's what I've I've got to be to try and get the best out of the players I've I've got
0: for listening to the Highway Lean podcast. Hope you can join me next time for another interesting interview.